just an emblem, a formality. It's a symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blaspheme and despise, though it's ancient, it abides. A shrine to death that stands for life to me. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watch as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. You see why this old emblem is so dear to me. It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. The gap for men, offer cleansing for our sin, an icon that reminds us that we're free. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary, two pieces of rough timber on a hill, through his hands and through his feet. He took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. God forbid that I should ever let my memories fade, but forever keep the cross in view, for that's where I was saved. Son of God at Calvary, two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands and through his feet, he took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the lost. Though he could have walked away, he chose the cross. take our uh, turn to a passage yet. We'll get to it in just a few moments, but again, I'm glad you're here and uh, certainly trust that the Lord will speak to our hearts today. I had my introduction. I put a big X through it, okay, just so you know I'm trying to be very careful about the time today. Very concerned that we get out exactly on time. And so I cut out part of the message just so that you don't have to worry about being late for lunch. <laughs> Doesn't that make me a good guy? <laughs> I'm in a weird mood today. I come, unless you got to understand, I haven't slept all week. Okay, you got you, you, you have to understand that I have been, sleep deprivation has been the way of life this week. I mean, the first chapel service is at 6 a.m. in the morning. You're getting preached at at 6. And then you're getting preached at again at lunch. You're getting preached at again in the dinner. You're doing, and in my case, I did a devotion at night, so I was done with giving my devotion at 11.05. I mean, we're talking you're getting five hours of sleep max if you're lucky, and that's if you can get back home quick, jump in the shower because you've been sweating all day because you've been running all day. You don't sit down much unless, well, some of the guys have, go, have carts. They get to, not go-karts, but they have carts. They get to ride around in, uh, and I always give mine up to the other guys because they're all bunged up. You know, they're preachers, you know. Right. You know, it seems like preachers, Baptist preachers, always seem to have kind of a little extra around the belly. And, uh, 
And so me, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. You know, I, I kind of I go in and out of that thing, you know, kind of in, then back out, and then back in and out, you know, just. Okay, so nonetheless, let me get started today because, I, I, you know, so if, if, I, if, I, if I end up somewhere I'm not supposed to be mentally, emotionally, forgive me, all right? All right. Tonight, today, this morning, I want to talk to you today about this subject. I want to give you three questions that determine the course of our life. Three questions that determine the course of our life. And we're going to look at that today for just a couple of minutes. Not a long time, just a little bit, but I want to do that. Now, a husband and a wife, you know, prior to marriage, they decided that, uh, they decided he'd make, uh, he'd make all the major decisions. Of course, gentlemen, we know, were to be leaders in the home. So he's going to make all the major decisions, and they decided that she would make all the minor ones. So after 20 years of marriage, he was asked how the arrangement had worked out, and he said, man, it's been great. In all these years, I've never had to make a major decision. <laughs> the tough crowd. Years ago, I, uh, I told you, uh, some of you know the story, I had the opportunity to meet my wife. I saw her at a distance uh, in a, uh, a lunchroom at the University of Akron. It's the first time I ever saw her. It's the first time I really laid eyes on her. I, if I'd seen her, I didn't notice her, but I noticed her that day. And I never got to talk to her, never even talked to her. And three years later, after getting out of the military, I finally talked to her. Actually, she talked to me and invited me and my friend over to her and her f- friend's house. That happened to me a lot in those days. But really, we got, I finally talked to her after all that time. And man, we got to know each other. You know how it is when you first meet somebody, how exciting that is. And man, I mean to tell you, it's just so exhilarating. And they're on your mind all the time. And you just want to spend as much time as you can with them. And boy, time went on. And our relationship grew. And things worked out. So ultimately, I said, hey, listen, would you marry me? Actually, what I said was, because that got blew up. I, I got to go back, because that's a really a lie. It blew up, and finally, at one point, I was just sitting beside her one day, and I said, so are you finally ready to marry me or what? And she went, yeah. And I went, you, you are? And that's how it really went, okay? Just so you know, I didn't want to lie about it, all right? And so, and I wasn't really joking. You know how it is, you, you say something in jest, but you're kind of hoping to get, you know, Man, I tell you what, that was, a great, that was a great moment. But it was even better when we stood and looked in each other's eyes that day and we said, I do. Man, I'll tell you what, that was a big decision. That was a huge decision. That decision ultimately affected my entire life. And you know what I'm talking about, you who have been married. And may I say, if you've never been, it is a huge decision and it will affect your entire life. For good or for bad, it'll affect your entire life. And I want to share with you three questions that will determine the course of your life. Or should I say three questions, depending on how you answer them, that will determine the course of your life. It's nothing, it's not rocket science today. It's real simple, it's basic but I think it's something we need to consider and think about today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us. Just, Father, be with us now this morning. I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought and that you'd help me to have the ability, Father, to put uh, things together, Lord, and as you would have me. I pray that you'd just take over, Lord, because I've, I don't want my flesh to rule. I want your spirit to rule. I pray that you would be with, again, every listening ear. May they be spiritually listening. May you just uh, anoint their ears that they would hear from heaven. And then, Lord, don't allow the devil to steal the word of God. Lord, I need you today. Lord, we need you today. We ask that you walk these aisles and do a work in our hearts and our lives today.
May we be different for having come today. Bless us now, and if there be any that are lost without Jesus Christ, may they be saved. And Lord, if we as believers need to reevaluate where we are with you, may we do so today and repent and settle things in our life and make decisions, Lord, that will ultimately affect us positively and affect your kingdom positively. Well, thank you for all you will do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So three questions, basically, that, and, 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 and that you must answer, that I must answer, that will determine the course of your life. Number one, who will you serve? Who will you serve? Take your Bible, turn to Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. You say, ah, I know this verse. You do know this verse. I told you it's nothing new. But can I tell you, even as a believer today, you can be tempted to go a different direction. You can be tempted to follow someone other than Jesus Christ. Who will you serve? I'm in church this morning, preacher. Good for you, and I am pleased as punch that you made your way here. But I can guarantee you this, there's been plenty that have made their way to a church that aren't committed to serving him. Hold on now. Joshua 24, 15. These are questions that must be answered. These are things that must be addressed. Joshua 24, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Joshua's coming at the, to the end of his life. He took over for Moses. He stepped into his shoes and he bore the mantle and he guided the children of Israel into the promised land. And he did a great job. He was a good follower who became a great leader. And God used him mightily. But now he's getting older and he has come to the end of his life and he's talking down to the people of God, to the children of Israel. And he says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He says, listen, there's a choice. There's a choice to be made here. You have one of two options. You can either serve the Lord, the Lord that delivered us out of Egypt, the Lord that took us through the wilderness, the Lord that planted us in Canaan, or you can serve the gods, plural, of your forefathers. And although Israel may have been God's people, they were quick and very fast at turning back to the idols that they once served. We know that when they came out of Egypt even, and they made their way over there to the mount, we see that as Moses goes up 40 days and 40 nights, he returns only to find them worshiping a golden calf. Oh, this was a people who were quick to turn from God and turn to idols. And we say to ourselves, boy, I would have never done that. Really? Really? Have you ever served any other gods but Him? I'm saying even since you've been saved. Boy, I'll tell you what, Israel is a wonderful picture and it's supposed to be an object lesson for us today because God knows that we are bent toward idolatry. He knows that in our flesh we are bent toward worshiping someone or something other than Him. In this passage, He finally confronts the people prior to His leaving, prior to His going home. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Don't wait till tomorrow. Choose today. Well, I made a decision a year ago. Well, choose again today. Well, I was just at the altar last week. Choose again today. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. What's it going to be, boys? What's it going to be, girls? What's it going to be, adults? What's it going to be, Joshua says. It's a decision you must make. You either serve the Lord or the devil. 
Now consider your options closely. Turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. You say, well, that was the Old Testament. Can I tell you we're still making that decision today? We're still choosing as to whether or not we are going to serve the Lord or virtually serve the devil. You make that decision every day of your life as a believer too. Oh, I know you may be saved, you may be born again, you may have received and accepted Christ into your life, but you're going to make a decision today as to who you will serve. And so will I. Notice what it says, though, about these two masters. In John 10.10, Jesus is speaking now. And he says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. When Jesus is speaking, he's talking about Satan himself. He's talking about the devil. And he says about the devil, he says, the thief. He calls him a thief. Why? Because thieves like to steal. And they steal anything that's valuable. And can I tell you, there's nothing more valuable to God than you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. He suffered and he bled for you. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. There we have the one master. Now the other. I am come, Jesus says, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Oh, man. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Wow. On one hand, we have the devil. On the other hand, we have the Lord. And it's a simple decision. It's a simple choice, really. It's not complicated. I'm, I'm, maybe it's not easy to make at times, but it's not complicated. It's an either or issue. Choose you this day whom you will serve, he says. My question to you is, who will you serve? Because based on that decision, it will affect your entire life. Number two, what way will you travel? Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. Well, I know you've heard all of this before, but we'll get to the end. But in the, in the end, the bottom line is there's a choice to make. Who will you serve? Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That would be the decision we all should make. But what way will you travel? Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Again, in this particular passage, we note that there are only two ways in which you can travel. Did you see that? Two ways. Now, I know when you go out into the world and you knock a door, you talk to a friend or a family member, they say, well, I just believe that there's many roads and they all lead to heaven. I believe you can take a number of different pathways and you end up in the same place. I know according to the world, and the devil would have you to believe, that there's not just two ways to travel, that you can go a number of different ways and end up at the same destination. But can I tell you biblically and scripturally, that's not true. That's not true at all. Jesus is giving us the low down. He's giving us the skinny. He's telling us the truth. And he's saying simply this, you can either go the broad way or you can go the narrow way, but you can't go any other way. And the Bible points out that the main reason it's called the broad way is due to the simple fact that many choose to travel that way. 
Man, if you are traveling in a direction and you notice you are joined by so many others and it just seems that the world is happy to travel with you, my friend, you could and most likely are on the wrong path. See, the Broadway is wide also. And you know, the interesting thing about the Broadway is it's so wide that it leaves plenty of room to turn and swerve and even improvise along the way. And you can start out in this direction and you can travel this way a while and you can travel this way a while and you can go this way a while and this way a while. It's so broad. It's so wide. Boy, people, you and I, we love to be able to plot our own course. We like to take the bull by the horns and we like to determine which way we'll travel. And the broad road leaves a little room for that, doesn't it? It must be noted, however, that the two roads lead to two distinct and separate destinations. I guess this is the part that we must be very aware of. I mean, it really wouldn't be a whole lot to the decision. If the broad way and the narrow way all led to the same place, then whichever one you were most comfortable on, whichever one pleased you the most, whichever one made you feel the most loved and accepted and received in your own mind's eye. Well, go for it then. But that's not true. You say, I don't like to stand out. I don't like to have to walk alone. I don't like to have to be a, hold the banner high. I don't like the pressure of being the only one in school that's standing for Jesus. I don't like to be the only person at work that doesn't go to the drinking party. I don't want to be the only person at doing this or doing that. I want to be with everyone else and fit in. That's called the Broadway. Sadly enough, it leads somewhere specific. Can I tell you... That's why we need the local church. Because out there, not everybody believes what's in here. And then you can feel real lonely if you get out there and you're living like he says to live in here. I get nervous, not because people don't come to church so much, because some people can't come because their health doesn't permit it. And if I know that, I'm okay. I get nervous for people when they don't come to church and they could be there because what they're really saying is, I don't need the people of God. I'm not uncomfortable where I'm at. I'm doing just fine without y'all. There's something wrong with people that don't need the house of God. If you call yourself a Christian and you don't need the house of God, then obviously you must be on the... Hmm. The Broadway, huh? Hmm. Now you say, I'm saved. I'm on the narrow way. Bless God. That's good, and I'm glad you are saved, but my friend, you can choose to live like the devil. And so can I. You know, we talk about being saved, and we say that salvation is eternal. So if salvation is eternal, then that means that it's eternal. That means from the time you're saved till forever and ever, you're still saved. But my friend, that doesn't ensure that you're always serving who you're supposed to serve or that you're always traveling the direction you should be traveling. That's a decision you make, a conscious decision. John 14, 6, Jesus saith, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I understand we're emphasizing salvation, but my friend, I promise you this. Once you're saved, you need to make the same decision. Which road will I travel? Will I fit in with the world, or will I stand alone if necessary? Will I stay on the straight and narrow, or will I go back to the old ways? Who will you serve? What way will you travel? Number three, what foundation will you build upon? What foundation will you build upon? Turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're already there. Look at verse 21. We're introduced to a 
a judgment here. Notice what's transpiring taking place right off the bat. Not everyone, verse 21, chapter 7 of Matthew, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, I just want to point this out. What a person says is not necessarily truth. And you can be deceived, by the way. The only way you avoid what took place in Matthew chapter 7 there at a judgment is to ensure that you did things according to the will of the Lord. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There better be a time in your life where the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of you and brought conviction in your life and drew you to the Savior. I get nervous a little bit with some of our little kids, and I try to tell the teachers and workers, listen, you got to be careful with children because children will make a decision because they want to fit in. See, wants to fit in already. You hear that? I do. But I'm telling you, the truth is, is that there has to be a personal drawing. The Holy Spirit draws us unto Him. And we are convicted of our sin and we recognize the need to turn to the Savior. And we receive and accept Christ. So many will say to me in that day, verse 22, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Boy, would that be horrible. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I don't want to scare anybody out of salvation, but I can tell you this, I, I certainly want to get them into salvation. And I'm going to tell you this, I used to look at those verses and think to myself, young people, what if I got to, what if I got to the throne of God one day? And I thought, man, I was doing all the things God said to do. I was trying to be good, a good person. I was trying to, to be kind to my parents. I was trying to obey my parents. I was trying to go to church. I was trying to read my Bible. I was trying to do all those things. And then I get there, and he says, I never knew you. I used to bother me. Can I tell you, that's a possibility, but it doesn't have to happen. You need to do the will of God. You need to open up your ears and your eyes and say, you know what, God? If I'm not a child of God, then you tell me today to get saved. If you tell me to get saved, I'll know it's you because the devil would never tell me not to get would never tell me to get saved. The devil would tell me I'm not saved, but he'll never tell me to get saved. Can I tell you, adults, the fact is today, if at the end of this service something pricks your heart and the Holy Spirit says, settle it. Stop beating yourself over the head. Stop trying to convince yourself you're saved. Holy, I'm telling you, the devil, the devil will never tell you to get saved. He'll never tell you to do that. Now, if you say, man, he's been trying to get me to doubt my salvation, and I know that I was saved. I can look back in my life, and I know for a fact I was drawn by the Holy Spirit. Man, I, got, I, can, I just know from the Word of God that I did exactly what this verse says, and I meant it with all my heart. But he keeps fighting me. I get it. But if something inside's telling you to get saved, my friend, that's not the devil. That's the Holy Spirit trying to settle something in your life. You need to obey him. I know. I know firsthand because 16 years ago I did. Church was running over 350 and the Lord put it on my heart and I said, I got to settle it. I know a little bit about having to put a little egg on your face and say, you know what? I don't care. I ain't going to hell for nobody. I know a little bit about that one. I know we had seven young people alone in a Bible college local coming back and saying, preacher, they said you just got saved. That makes you a novice. You should step out of the pulpit. I know a little bit about that. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. You settle that issue. You better identify what foundation you're going to build on. You better do it quick. You better do it quick because look what he says here in the passage. He says, Verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. That is a picture of judgment. See, back there in Genesis, when the winds came and the floods came, let me tell you, the rain came, it was judgment. Remember that in Genesis? That was judgment by rain. By water. 
The next judgment will be by fire. This is a picture of that judgment coming. So therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken them unto a wise man to build his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Do you realize there's only two choices here again? There's only two choices. You're going to build upon a rock or you're going to build upon the sinking sand. There are only two outcomes. The rock will, if you build on the rock, it'll, it'll stand the test of time. If you build upon the sand, you'll sink and be destroyed. Simple. So what in the world are we talking about? What do you mean the rock? In Exodus 17, 6, the Bible says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock at Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. All the way back there when Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, they needed some water, and he smote that rock. The Bible goes on in 1 Corinthians 10, 4 to say, And they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. And it's a capital R. It's not just talking about a thing. It's talking about a person. They drank of the rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ, the Bible says. I mean, the Bible defines that rock. And can I tell you the rock that's being spoken of in Matthew chapter 7 is none other than Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Jesus Christ who died on Calvary and shed his precious, perfect blood for you and I. Man, it's Jesus. He's the rock that we have to build upon. If not, we'll build on sinking sand. Deuteronomy 32, 4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. In Psalm 61, the psalmist says this in verse 2, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That's Jesus. So I want you to think about this. We noted already there's a choice to be made, right? Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, Choose you this day whom you will serve. So who will you serve? The Lord or the devil? Do you realize that it ends in either life or destruction, he told us? It's going to either be life or destruction based on your decision of who you will serve. Hold on. What way will you travel? The broad way or the narrow way? We said, hold on. What is the end? The end is either life or destruction, one of the two. Hold on. What foundation will you build upon? <laughs> After reading the scriptures, we know that the, the, the one who built his house upon the rock stood the test of time and lived. It was life, he says. He says it's life in the Bible. Hold on. But great was the fall of the other. So we have life. And we have destruction. Hold on. Every one of these questions, they're different, but they're so the same, aren't they? Because in the end, when you make that decision, then the decision makes you. And you know what the decision really is? Come up here, Isaac. Take that one. Take that one. Go all the way over there. Here it is. There it is. This is your decision. Hold it up over your head. High. Life or death. Oh, wait, wait, wait a second, though. I don't know that we're getting the real understanding of this. Because, see, the Bible says here in the passage, it asks the question in the scriptures, who will you serve? 
Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve the devil? Are you going to go ahead and serve the one who provides us life? I mean, real life. Not just life on earth, but life eternal. Are you going to follow the one that provides nothing more than death? The Bible tells us real simply here. It's, he's, he's, seriously, he says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, sometimes we look at this and we go, Hmm. Come together. Together. Look at this. Hold them high. Stop. We go, it's a choice between life and death. They're so close to each other. They're so close. I think I can dabble in a little bit of the death side and still live. They're so close. I'll kind of skip to one and skip to the other. I'll dabble in this one a while and I'll dabble in that one a while. They're so close. And God's such a forgiving God. I mean, so what? I do some bad things. Big deal. He'll forgive me when I'm ready. When I tell him it's time, he'll do it. You mean if he doesn't kill you first? Oh, we don't talk like that in Baptist churches or any church across the country anymore. Because it turns people, it's so negative. I'm going to tell you something. You read that book and you tell me what it says. You don't trifle with God. You don't pretend that he's like you. We don't put him in a little box and bring him down to earth and make him fit our little mindset. The Bible says his thoughts are higher than ours. He's so beyond us, we can't even understand it. We can't wrap our mind around him. The best we have is the word of God, and we need to dig into it to know him. But the fact is we'll never truly know him completely. There'll always be things we can be learning about him through eternity. But the truth is this. Spread out now. Spread out, guys. Keep going. Go all the way to the edge. Look how far apart they are. This is the real reality. Yep, yep. So I, 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 no, I don't know. I'm going to get in the middle. You don't get in the middle. You don't get that privilege. You don't get that opportunity. You've got to make a choice. You say, I'm not going to choose. Well, then you did make a choice. Because if you don't choose life, you're choosing death. Hold on, though. Wait a second. There's another question. And the question was simply this. What way will you travel? Oh, I've settled. I settled salvation. I got that figured. I know, but you're going to travel another direction. You're going to have to decide which way you're going to travel now that you're a child of God. I'm going to tell you something. Let's you and I be honest with ourselves. We all know people that ought to be in God's house that aren't here. And the truth is, it's not that we think they're all so bad people and that we're so much better than them. That has nothing at all to do with it. The fact is, they need God and they need the house of God if they want to be perfected and matured as God intended. And we look at their lives and we think, how much more could God do with them if they would travel the right road? Because I'll tell you this, you may have your soul saved, but you'll lose your life in sin. It'll take a toll on you like nobody's business. Can I tell you what? Well, you know, I, I got saved, but I don't feel like separating myself from the world. I, I enjoy the world too much, preacher, and there's just things about me, and, you know, I, you don't understand. I, I really deal with this stuff called lust, and it's different for me than other people, and it's really hard, and... And, you know, I, I, I understand what you're talking about, but, but, I mean, to really sell out and travel the road, I mean, come on now. I'm telling you, they're that far apart. Oh, hold on. No, they're not. Get there behind those trees. Go back even further. Just keep going back. Go back in there. Go, no, not behind them. Get in front of it so we can see the sign. <laughs> Get up in there. Get up in there. See how far apart they are? That's right, see? See how far apart they are? Get that out there. Get that out there. This is the reality. Do you get it? When you make these decisions, this is how far apart. It's so far apart. There's nothing remotely close about them. It is an either-or decision. Who will you serve? It's either life or death. What, what, what road will you travel? What way will you travel? It's life or death. I know every one of us can look at examples 
in life and say, they didn't serve the Lord and look, they're doing great. Hmm. Yeah, we could all look at the movie stars and we could look at all the athletes that have millions of dollars and they seem to have it all together until they get divorced, until they get thrown in jail, until we find they have an addiction, until we realize that they were perverted and that the devil's had a hold on them, a stranglehold for years, and they've been in bondage and enslaved to sin their whole life. Oh, on the outside, they look like they got it going, man. But I'm going to tell you something. Sin always wins. But wait, there's one more question. What foundation will you build upon? The rock is Jesus. What foundation are you going to build on? The other sinking sand. Okay, come on out of there, guys. It's not far enough. Come on out. And by the way, don't mess that stuff up. I didn't, be careful. <laughs> okay. All right, come on down. Good job, brother. Now I want you to start going out there. Get all the way out there to the exit sign. Because here it is now. You've got a foundation. It's up to you what you're going to build your life on today. You're going to build your life on life, the Lord Jesus Christ, the rock, or on sinking sand, which is death. Listen, we're not, the Lord's trying to convince us and show us that this is real. Life is so fake today. Everybody's on their Facebook, and everybody's on their social media, and everybody goes, oh, they're such a lovely couple. Look at them. Their friends are perfect, and they're perfect, and everything's so wonderful. I wish, I wish I had a husband like him. And the, I, I wish I had a wife like her. Oh Sound like my brother when I said that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. That's what our young people are growing up in, and too bad. I'm sorry, sorry to say, but too many of you are caught up in that mess. Come on. And I'm going to tell you, what's happened is, is that it's dumbed down our spiritual side. I'm telling you, we think we can get away with playing with life and death at the same time. We can juggle them. We can juggle them. You can't juggle this. It's either life or death. They're they are that far apart and even further. They're not remotely close. You know that passage in the Bible that says our sins as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions? That's how far life and death are apart. They never come together. They never, ever come together and let me, let me encourage you believers that are in here. Make the right choice. And two years from now, how many men in the room will be bound by pornography that aren't right now? Because they didn't choose the right one. Because they, they thought they could handle it. They thought they were closer together than they are. They're not close. They're not even remotely close. How many ladies will find themselves bound? That's a growing phenomenon in our country, in our culture. How many families won't be here, not because they've gone to another church where God has placed them, but because they've just decided to go their own way? You better make the right choice, because I promise you this, your children will never get saved, probably, unless you make sure they do. Well, I'll just trust that somebody will come along on a bus ministry and pick my kid up. You better stop trusting that. You better start figuring it out real quick that there's grandkids coming along too. And if your children don't get this thing, your grandkids will never get it. Well, I'll bring them to church if they let you. I've known people that have made good decisions, the right decisions, and their kids have made such bad decisions that it's affected their future even. But I'm telling you this much. I don't know how that works, and I know it happens. But let me tell you, I know what does happen for sure. When you make the wrong decision here, little feet will follow you. Yep. Oh, they'll follow you. Right. I'm going to tell you what, this is a spiritual battle we're in, and I want to encourage you to make the right decisions. How many Christians have dabbled in sin lately? You've kind of neglected your spiritual life a little bit. You've found yourself 
preoccupied to the point where the word of God hasn't taken preeminence in your life, where prayer isn't really as important as it used to be. You find yourself where now you would prefer to get on your phone and look at the news or the feeds or some kind of stuff than you would to even get in the Bible. Not that you can't look at things like that necessarily. And I'm just saying that sometimes they seem like they're just overwhelming us. They're consuming us. And we say, well, I'm still spiritual because I go to church. The Corinthian church had all the gifts, but they weren't a lick spiritual. They had all the gifts that God speaks about, but they weren't spiritual. I don't care that you're coming to church. I don't care that you just even read your Bible from time to time or pray. That doesn't make you spiritual. It doesn't make me spiritual. God doesn't care what we do. He cares who and what we are. And this is the thing. I had a boy at camp. I asked him, I said, has anybody prayed with you yet? No. What decision did you come to make? He said, I came because I, I want to give it all to God. I said, oh, really? You want to surrender it all to God? He goes, yeah, I, no, I don't want to be a preacher. I've already made that decision. I'm like, wait a second, you made a decision to be a preacher but not to give yourself to the Lord? And I took him over to Romans chapter 12, and I said, here's the thing. What you, the decision you're telling me you're making is this right here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. 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 I said, that is not working on a bus. That is not teaching in a Sunday school class. That is not praying and reading your Bible even. That is not going out soul winning. You know what that is? That's in there. You make up your mind to be holy and clean before a holy God. When you surrender yourself to God, it isn't about giving yourself to more activity and more work for God. It's about giving yourself to God and being clean and striving to be holy like he's holy. And you know what? That's what's missing in the local church today. Man, we got a lot of busy people. we got a lot of folks that are excited. I'll serve! And I told you the other day what my pet peeve about service is. If it's convenient for me... That's not service, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. But the fact is, is this. We're willing to do, but we don't want to be what God wants us to be. You know what that all comes down to? It's those choices again. Who will you serve? It'll end in life or it's going to end in death for you and your family. What way are you going to travel? Oh, it's going to end in life. It's going to end in death. That's really the choice you're making. And finally, what do we say? What's the last one? What foundation are you going to build upon? I'm telling you, it's up to you what you do with this. But I want to encourage you to make the right decision because depending on what you decide, it will determine the outcome of your life. Young people, I married my wife. Great decision. But can I tell you, how I came to that conclusion. I had made up my mind I wanted to be what God wanted me to be already. Right. And I wanted to find somebody that wanted to be everything God wanted them to be. See, what really, you know what really made the difference? It wasn't that I picked the right woman necessarily, although I did. God picked her really, didn't he? I made a decision long before I met my wife. You know what that decision was? Life, not death. I decide to make the Lord yes. my Lord and servant. I decided that I wanted to travel his way. Amen. And I wanted to build my life on the rock, the Lord Jesus, and a solid foundation. And I couldn't pick somebody that was anything less than she was, or I would have missed on all of that. I'd have made a bad decision. But it was all laid. The foundation was already laid because I'd already determined what my answer was in those three areas. You need to decide today what you're going to do because it'll ultimately affect who you marry. It'll affect what you do in life. It'll affect where you end up in life and where you end up in eternity. Make those decisions today. Choose who you will serve today. Make it the Lord. Choose the way you'll travel. Make it the narrow way. Choose the foundation you'll build on, the rock the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's true in all our lives. Father, we come to you. We ask you, Lord, just to speak to our hearts today. Thank you again for the simplicity of your word. 
Lord, the Bible is not complicated, but it's not always easy either. It's tough to make good decisions sometimes, but Lord, we need to make the right decisions. Well, if we don't do that, we're in trouble. Sadly enough, Lord, it seems that many people fail to make decisions. They don't want to decide. But Lord, we are making decisions when we fail to t- decide. Father, help us today. May folks that are saved today come to an altar even or at their seat and say, Lord Jesus, I'm making a conscious decision today to serve you. A conscious decision to go the narrow way. That means I'm willing, if I have to, to stand alone. I'm willing to do things according to the word of God, how you outline it, how you determine. I'm willing to separate myself from the world and be distinct and different like you design and like you determined in the scriptures. Lord, I make a conscious decision to build on the rock, the Lord Jesus. I am not going to do anything that offends his word. I'm going to obey the scriptures and I'm going to build on him, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be obedient to my parents. I'm going to be obedient to my authorities. I'm going to be obedient in every area of my life. I'm going to do things the way you tell me to do them. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be, do what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do it and think the way I'm supposed to think about it. I want to make the right decision because I want life for me and my family. Maybe you're lost today. You have yet to choose Christ as your Savior and Lord. That's the ultimate building on the rock. You've got to take that step first. You've got to plant your feet on him, Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, you're the only one that can save me. You're the only one that can forgive me. You're the only one that can wash my sin away. I can't do it. I can't be good enough because I'm not perfect like you are. You died for me, all man, all God, and I need you to save me today. You gave me an opportunity when you took my place on Calvary. I want you to forgive me and save me. And let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart today and he's telling you, settle it, get saved today, settle it, just settle it, get saved today, you need to step out of your pew and come forward and let someone take a Bible and show you how simple it is to receive and accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior and plant your feet on a solid rock from this point on. Father, bless this time of invitation. Use it to your glory. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. The music's playing. You come.